Welcome to Parkview On The Go. I'm Nathan, the online pastor, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Our service this weekend is going to be a little different than normal because at every one of our physical campuses, we're celebrating all of the people who are taking a big step toward God by getting baptized. Uh, Pastor Tim will talk more about it during the service, uh, but baptism is a way for people to tell God in the world that their identity is in Jesus. And nothing makes us happier than for people to take that step in their faith. In fact, that's why Parkview exists. We are here to help you take steps toward God. Whether you've been a Christian for a long time or you're exploring this Jesus thing for the first time, we believe that you have a step to take and we want to help you discover what it is. If at any point along the way you want to talk to us about faith, life, and anything in between, fill out the Next Steps card at parkviewchurch.com slash next steps and a member of our team will be in touch with you. I'm praying for a few things today. If you've never been baptized, I pray that you're encouraged to find a local church, and if you live close enough, a Parkview campus, where you can take that step and have a community of people to celebrate alongside you. And if you're someone who's been a Christian a long time, I pray that you find peace in the fact that God is still in control and is still moving in people's lives. And last, if you're someone who financially supports the mission of Parkview, I pray that this is a reminder of the ways that God is blessing your generosity like crazy around here. Thank you for trusting God and making an eternal investment in the ministry that's happening through our church. If you'd like to learn more about how to give, visit parkviewchurch.com give. As we get ready to join Parkview's broadcast campus, I, I want to say thanks again for being a part of our online community. You guys are awesome. Enjoy the service.
waiting. God so loved the
God, we are so grateful for your son, Jesus, God. A sacrifice that we're so undeserving of, but we want to say thank you. And Lord, would we tune into what you have in store today as we, as we celebrate baptisms, God? And would we be part of that story? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for worshiping. You guys can have a seat. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Parkview. So glad that you've made it this weekend. Uh, there's nothing our God can't do, right? That's what we just sang. I hope and you pray that you believe that to be true. Uh, maybe if you've come here this weekend and you're just facing some insurmountable odds, we believe God can do something great in your life. And so really thankful that you are here to worship with us. Uh, if we've not had the privilege to meet, my name's Chad. I'm the campus pastor here. And just thrilled that we're together. Um, if you've been around the last couple of weeks, then you know that we just launched a brand new experience for kids called Parkview One Athletics. It's this summer soccer program that we're launching. And because you guys have been so generous, we have been able to get over 190 students registered for this program. Isn't that amazing? That's so incredible. Uh, but what's even more incredible is just the amazing amount of volunteers that have stepped in to coach and train these students to teach the game of soccer. We are juiced about making a difference in our neighborhood. And I just got to say thank you for being generous. If you want to give today and just be a part of what God's doing here at our church, uh, you can do that on our website, or if you want to give here in person, you can do that as you leave. Uh, there's giving boxes out of the doors uh, as you leave today. Uh, we talk about next steps all the time at our church because we believe it to be true. We all have a next step with God. Uh, and this one coming up might be a great next step for you. Uh, we've got an event called Summer Jam coming up uh, towards the end of July, and it's for students. It's our vacation Bible school experience for kids. And we're looking for people to come and volunteer for our team. This is the reality. The more volunteers we get, the more kids we can get. And that's a big deal because we want kids to know about God and to understand who their creator is. So I want to invite you to come join us. Come be a part of our team. Come celebrate and join in with us as we reach our neighborhood and uh, help out kids learn more about God. Uh, you can register for Summer Jam online, uh, or you can go to parkviewchurch.com slash this week for all that information. And for the ladies here today, uh, we've got an incredible experience coming up for you in November. Uh, we are hosting a women's event uh, on Tuesday night uh, in November. It's uh, by Lisa Turkett. Uh, she is a guest speaker, and she's going to be joining us as part of the Encounter Tour. Uh, tickets are available, and they are online, so we want to encourage you to go out and grab those tickets. It's going to be an incredible event just to sit next to some other women, uh, learn more about God, build some relationships, and maybe take a new step in your relationship with Him. Really glad that you've made it to Parkview. Hope you enjoyed the service. Take care. You tried so hard uh, to cover up your games. You tried so hard, uh, hoping that one day something won't change. Hi. So this is the part where I just remember that I was going to wear a mask out, and then I forgot. So those of you that are wearing masks, great. Welcome everyone, Homer Glenn, New Lenox, online, Orland Park, glad to have you here. Um, the mask thing is getting kind of crazy, isn't it? I mean, you know, the CDC, anytime I start thinking, you know, like, I don't like my job as a pastor, I remember, well, it could be worse, I could work for the CDC. You know what I'm saying? 
I mean, one day there's going to be a zombie apocalypse, and they will be the ones that could have stopped it, but they didn't, you know? And how is that going to feel? I told them to go for the brain, but they didn't listen to me. There are advantages of the mass thing, however. Don't you realize now that you can go back and listen to Charlie Brown and understand what the teacher was saying? Because we've been doing this for long enough, right? But, but, but honestly, I'm done, man. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm tired of smelling my own breath. Can I get an amen, okay? You guys smell it if you want to, but I'm tired of it. But here's the question with this series. Here's the question. What have we been hiding behind in our mask as we start to crawl out of this thing? What have we been hiding behind as we come out of mask land so that our relationship with God will be better or could be better? Uh, what have you been hiding that, that, that hurts, that's, that's keeping you unhealthy, okay? Uh, Cale did a great job last week, didn't he? Just really helping us unpack some things. And he talked about how the, the, the king, how God was, was, was telling everybody to go out and invite the people from the outside and bring them in, right? And that one thing that really was interesting to me was the hedges. Because as he explained the hedges, I was thinking the hedges were our masks, right? We, they were hiding behind these hedges. They were hiding behind these things that, 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 that they had these insecurities or they had all these different kind of things going on. And he said, I want you to break through the barriers and invite them to come. So today, I want to I help you with the Old Testament story from 2 Kings 5, a guy named Naaman, okay? Let me, just, let me just line it up for you. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram, okay? He was commander. He was a commander. He was an important dude, right? And he, these aren't the people of God. These are the people who captured the people of God because the people of God weren't doing so great, okay? And, and he is a commander, which means he's second only to the king. And he's an important guy, and he has a big problem you're going to find out about along the way. And here's where I want to start with this today. The, the more important you are, the less likely you will be to depend on God. You, you know that that's true. The more important you are, or at least you think you are, the less likely you will be to depend on God. For example, Jesus told this parable, and a lot of Christians pass this parable off because it was about a Pharisee and a tax collector, and we're just like, well, I'm not a Pharisee, you know, that, that was somebody else, right? But I, I, I said this in my book, What Made Jesus Mad? It's easy for us to look at the, it, when Jesus was mad at the Pharisees and not realize that Pharisee is just another word for religious person. So this is just a religious person. To some who were confident of their own righteousness... And looked down on everyone else. Was he on Facebook? I don't even know. <laughs> Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. God, I thank you. He had to have some kind of a holy accent. God, I thank you that I am not like these other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers or even like this tax collector. I mean, he literally says like this tax collector, like evident, I mean, it's a parable, but evidently Jesus wanted us to see this guy looking down on the tax collector, okay? I, I fast twice a week. Like, I need to tell you this, God. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance, and he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, the religious guy, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
So you get what I'm saying, okay? Naaman has this problem. I'm just unpacking it for you. You you, you know, somebody gets elected class president or they're the chairman of the garden club or they get a new promotion or whatever, and all of a sudden they think they're all that, right? Guy goes to the doctor for a vaccine. Nurse says, third door on your right, take off all your clothes. He's like, no, wait a minute. I'm just here for for the vaccine. She said, third door on the right, take off all your clothes. He said, no, I don't think you're listening to me. I'm just here for the vaccine. She says, third door on the right, take off all your clothes. He's like, okay. So he goes third door on the right. He gets in. He starts taking off his clothes, and he turns around, and there's another naked guy in the room with him. He says, man, that nurse was something, wasn't she? I'm just here for the vaccine. The other guy says, tell me about it. I'm the Amazon driver. Listen, as we come out from behind our mass, I, will hope, I hope that you will let all that stuff go. To die to your pride, I, you have to die to my pride every day. Behind the mask, I'm just Tim. Sometimes I meet new people and they ask, what should we call you? And, you know, I get it. You know, is it Dr. Harlow or pastor or archbishop or supreme commander? Or... <laughs> and my line is, you know, in Oklahoma, this is how we said it. You could call me anything but late for dinner, Right? I don't care, and I know some of you Catholics can't really not put something before it, and that's where the PT comes from. I think it stands for Pretty Tim, but I'm not really sure, okay? (laughs) This is all I'm saying is that we have to humble ourselves as we're coming out of the mask. Here's what we see. He was a great man in the sight of his master, okay? He's a commander, he's a great man, and he's highly regarded, all right? Nothing wrong with any of that stuff. This guy has a position of authority, and he had the respect of the guy paying his salary, so he's a commander, he's thought well of by his boss, and he could produce. Why? Because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram, okay? This guy was a success. When it came to battle, he always came out on top. You wanted to be on Naaman's kickball team, you know what I'm saying? Because you knew you were going to win. But I had to dig into the commentaries. I've read this before. I've preached this before. But it really never dawned on me that it says the Lord, that's, that's Yahweh, okay? The Lord had given him victory. Wait, he's not a Lord follower. He's from the other guys. This is what's really interesting. I mean, the Bible says that God directs those who are not his people when he feels like it because he's God. How else do you explain the Cubs winning the World Series finally? But what was really interesting to me is that extra-biblical documents, when I looked all this stuff up, claim that it was Naaman who killed King Ahab. Okay? We don't know this, but it's fascinating. If Ahab doesn't sound familiar, he was married to Jezebel, really bad baby girl name. Okay? Ahab and Jezebel were really, they were the bad rulers of Israel, of God's people. And God finally gave up on him. And, and Ahab was killed by a random arrow that somebody shot into the crowd. Okay? You know, like the old days when you used to throw your lawn jarts just up over your, you know, and see what happened? I mean, literally, that's what happened, okay? So here's, here's my picture of this. If Naaman did, like, just shoot an arrow and it actually killed the guy that God wanted dead, I think it's safe to say that because through the Lord he had given victory to Aram. That's where the legend comes from, okay? But now, watch this. Here's the next verse. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. He had leprosy. Good guy. Very successful. 
Um, you're you're going to see the pride in a second, but, but he's a good guy, very successful. God used him, even though he's a pagan guy who worshiped like frog gods and stuff like that, God still used him. But now he's got a big problem. He's got leprosy, terrible skin disease that would eat away your nerve endings and, and your skin eventually, and you would usually die from something that you didn't even know you had. You'd usually get an infection somewhere because you couldn't feel it or you had some other kind of disease, disease or whatever, and it was a gross and horrible way to die, and there was no cure, and it was contagious. Just like what we've been through, right? The coronavirus. And so, as I'm working on this, I'm like, okay, what's your first question going to be? Well, did God give him leprosy? And I don't know. I mean, we, he might have. The CDC, the CDC would just say, well, somebody wasn't wearing a mask. Or wait, maybe that didn't matter. We're not really sure. I, I don't know what they'd say. But here's my educated guess. I'm guessing that God did not give Naaman leprosy because we know a little bit about this story from the teaching of Jesus, just this random passage where Jesus is talking about Elisha, and he mentions Naaman. Listen to this. He says, and, and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, and yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. So this makes it sound, and I'm sorry, I'm ruining this story because obviously he gets healed, but evidently, here's what I want you to understand. The Naaman story isn't about who he was, even though he was really important. It wasn't about how he got sick because we don't really know, and there were others that were sick. It's about how he got well. And here's what we see here. Getting well for Naaman meant swallowing his pride. But let's unpack this for a second. I mean, I'm just I'm processing the things that we've been through and, and where we're at today and leprosy, okay? Um, if there's one thing that we all have had behind the mask, it's isolation. As the number two guy in the country, Naaman has isolation. Not as bad as everybody else. He had it better than the other lepers because normally if you were diagnosed with leprosy, you were put into a leper colony. You were isolated from your community and put in quarantine where other people who were as miserable as you. Did you hear what I just said? You were isolated from your community and put in quarantine with other people who were just as miserable as you. 2020, bunch of lepers, here we are, right? Okay, you following me? And it really hurt me to write that this week. I mean, like, really hurt my heart to write that because I don't think we realize what the loneliness and isolation have really done to us. I mean, it hit me hard this week. It's affected my family in some very hard ways, and I know it has yours. Pastor Rick Warren keeps talking about the coming mental health tsunami that is going to be coming and is upon us now. Everywhere you turn, people are talking about it because we've been isolated, because we've been lonely, and that's why we're talking about it. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And there's something else important. In Scripture, leprosy was also a portrait of sin and man's spiritual condition without Jesus, okay, without spiritual healing. 
It was often used as kind of a metaphor for our sin condition, which leads to isolation and loneliness. And because of the nature of the disease, the leper was often considered already dead, because you basically were. It was a kind of a living death, even though you were physically alive. And and people without Jesus are nothing more than the living dead as well. Here's what Paul writes. He says, in the past, you were spiritually dead. You were spiritual zombies, okay, because of your sins and the things that you did against God. Yes, in the past, you lived in the way the world lives, following the ruler of evil. So regardless of one's position or honor or power or possessions or wealth, any of that, leprosy, like sin or isolation, is no respecter of persons. And we know that. Naaman had everything going for him but he was also leprous. So what do we do? Now the Aramaeans had gone out in bands and taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria because he could cure him of leprosy. Isn't that interesting? I mean, a little girl, like I don't know how old she is, but she's a slave girl. She's living in some other country in somebody else's house as a slave. And I'm just thinking if that's me, I would be like, yeah, I know where you can get healed, but I'm not telling you, right? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I can't wait to meet this girl someday. I mean, and obviously, Naaman and his wife must have been good people because she wanted to help them. Long story short, Naaman ends up in Israel looking for this prophet that the little slave girl told him was in Samaria and might have the healing powers of God. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots, and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him to say, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Okay, up to this point, Naaman had demonstrated what I would consider either an amazing faith or a huge act of desperation, right? I mean, it's either a big act of faith or it's a huge act of desperation. And a lot of times you got to admit, I don't know what the, which one is different. He accepted the word of his servant girl, traveled all the way to Israel, found Elisha, but I guess that everyone has their limit because when Elisha gave him the cure for leprosy, the pride line had been crossed. Elisha sent a messenger and said, go wash in the Jordan, your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry. But Naaman went away angry. Wait a minute. You went, you went all this way, you have, a, 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 you have an absolutely death disease that's going to come at you, there's no cure for it, maybe this guy's going to heal you, and he tells you to do something, and you're like, no, I'm not doing it, I'm mad at that guy. And he said, I thought, <laughs> I thought that he would surely come out to me. And stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of the leprosy. I mean, I thought I who don't know God at all, I who don't know any of the prophets at all, I thought that I knew how God was supposed to act, right? Here we go. Here's what's behind his mask. It's still this wall of pride. And then he goes on and he says, 
And by the way, I hate the Jordan River. Are not the Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I go wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. I don't like the Jordan River. Do I have to go to the Jordan You have leprosy! Normal reactions to a challenge of faith. Because there's always one last bit of self-sufficiency or pride that the evil one throws at us. So here's this good guy, powerful guy. He's got the worst disease you can have. He gets all the way over to where he can be healed, but Naaman went away angry. Well, I thought he would surely come out to me. Well, the Jordan River is nasty. That's my paraphrase. And by the way, it's not. Here is me doing a cannonball in the Jordan River, just for fun. Cannonball in the Jordan River. One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> Oh, man, you got to get over there sometime, I'm telling you. It's incredible. We did a big capital campaign called Cannonball, so that's what that was for. As the commander in the army, here's the problem, okay? It starts off bad because he was used to people saying, yes, sir, when he spoke, and Elisha didn't even come out. You notice that, right? So it kind of seemed rude. I mean, he doesn't know God or the things of God, but he has his own ideas about how things ought to be, or more importantly, how his needs should be met. What he didn't consider is the possibility that there was a reason that Elisha didn't come out. And the reason that Elisha couldn't come out was because Elisha was acting as a priest, and if he comes into contact with a person with leprosy, he is disqualified, according to God's law, from being able to lead worship in the temple. There's a really good reason for it. Elisha wasn't just like watching Ted Lasso on TV and like, I'm, I'm sorry, I, you know, I'm not coming out. I got my feet up. Just tell him to go dip in the, in the Jordan River. That's not what happened. There was a reason. There usually is a reason, but Naaman doesn't know God. He doesn't know God's laws. He's just offended. Oh, man, could we just be a little less easily offended? Please, for the love of God, I mean, literally, let's all, myself included, stop being so easily offended. But let me help you out with this. I don't know what it means to you, but the truth of the matter is that faith is a great start. Faith got him up to Elisha. But he couldn't leave it there, okay? Here's what's really important. Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Many times when Jesus healed someone, he required an act of obedient faith. There were ten lepers, and he healed them. And it says, when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, okay, as they went, they were healed. If they would have just stood around, they weren't going to get healed. If they wouldn't have gone to the priest, they weren't going to get healed. There was an act of obedience that was in there. It wasn't until they acted on that obedience. So did their walking heal them? No, Jesus did. But he wanted to see their faith in action. In John 9, there's a guy who's blind. What does he say to him? Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. Did the water heal him? No. Jesus did, but Jesus had a condition on it. There was a faith action that the man had to follow. 
And faith in Christ is always expressed in action. Sometimes, you just need to go jump in the river. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? I love that, right? If he had told you to do something hard, you'd been like, okay, cool. How much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed? I mean, this is like the servants going, it's not like he asked you to jump out of a plane, dude. Just go jump in the river. So he did. He went down, he dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times. What if he would have just stopped at six? And as the man of God had told him, his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. So what's getting in the way of God's miraculous power in your life right now? What's getting in the way of healing for your isolation? In other words, what's your Jordan River? It's the one thing that God asks you to do. It's not really that big of a deal, but you're resisting it. And it might be hindering the work of God in your life. Is it an apology? I had to do that this week. Is it the first step in mending a broken relationship? Is it a request for help that you're just afraid to be vulnerable? Is is it literally something God asks you to do, like like give? I mean, oh yeah, I know I should bring the first fruits in and all that kind of stuff, and I've been thinking about it, and sometimes I do. Why not just commit to it and make it happen? Is it the literal water of baptism? I mean, if you haven't figured it out by now, you can kind of see where I was going with this one, right? Why not just go dip in the river? Because that's what we're doing today. Baptism by immersion. Have you done it? I mean, I get it. Some of you are just like, no, my river's better. You know, I'm not doing it. And I get it because if you see baptism as something that you have to do because I or the church says so, then you're naturally not going to want to do it. And I would be the same way. Preacher's kid was playing with the kittens one day, and mom was kind of watching him a little bit, but not really that close. And all of a sudden, she heard the little kittens coming to the back door and scratching and meowing like they were trying to get away. And she looked out there, and she saw little Johnny baptizing the kittens. He was pretending he was dad, and he was baptizing the kittens. And and she opened the window. She said, Johnny, stop that. You're going to drown those kittens. Johnny looked at her, and he said, well, they should have thought of that before they joined my church. (laughs) <laughs> you know that kid, don't you? But it's not, it's, it's not my church, you guys, okay? I'm just telling you, Jesus told us, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's what he told all of us to do. Every story of the early disciples ends in baptism. Philip found this guy and began to tell him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And this Ethiopian eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And both Philip and the man went down into the water and back up out of the water. Notice this. And Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord took Philip away. And the man did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. When he heard about Jesus, this, this Ethiopian guy all of a sudden says, well, there's water. Let's go do the baptism thing, okay? And there are actually plenty of scriptures concerning baptism, but the important thing about this to me is that Philip, it doesn't tell us what Philip said. 
We know that Philip told him about Jesus, and evidently Philip said, and if you want to follow Jesus, the first thing you ought to do is go jump in the water. I mean, Philip didn't just say, hey, here's Jesus, isn't he awesome? And the Ethiopian said, yeah, that's awesome, I'm going to go jump in some water. I mean, obviously there was some discussion about it. It was important enough for Philip to mention it to, the first, to this guy the first time he talked to him about Jesus. And it was important enough to the Ethiopian that he did it right then and right there. As the prophet said to Saul as he was being converted, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name. Listen, sometimes people tell me, "Eh, I've been thinking about getting baptized and I'm going to do it when I get my act together. You have leprosy. How are you going to get your act together by yourself? How long have you been trying that? I mean, if we had righteousness, we wouldn't need this, right? And I know you could say, hey, I, I couldn't do it today. Why not? Nobody in the Bible planned it. They just did it. You could say, well, I don't have a towel. Well, guess what? We've got thousands of them at all of our campuses. You say, well, I don't have a change of clothes. You know, your clothes will dry. Did you notice the record-breaking warm temperatures we're having this weekend? Well, <laughs> well, I wore some light-colored clothing. It'd be too revealing. That would be one way to get people back after the virus. But don't worry. We have dark T-shirts for you to wear if you need to put it over your clothes. But i got to drive home and my car seats will get all wet and they're leather. We will give you a plastic bag that you can put down for your wet booty. Well, what about all of my stuff? We'll give you a spooper fancy bag that says, I got dunked at Parkview. And you can put all your stuff in there and give it to your friend or give it to us and we will take care of it and you'll just be fine. Well, my family's not here. I get it. But it's not between you and your family. It's between you and Jesus. I mean, all of the isolation and all of the anxiety and all of the stuff that we've got going on inside of us, don't let that last little piece of pride keep you from jumping in the water and getting baptized. Craig Groeschel said, my pastor, when I was learning, used to always say when he did baptisms, let the old man die, and then he would lower them down in, and everybody would cheer. He said, I was about 23, and I was doing one of my first baptisms, and he said, I was up in one of those television-looking baptistries. Some of you know what he was talking about, and I had this real old, proper lady, sweet lady, and she's standing up there, and I thought to myself, well, the pastor always says, let the old man die, so I said into the microphone, today we're going to bury the old lady. He said it wasn't quite the same, but I love the analogy. I love the analogy. Here's what he says. (coughs) So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Paul said, don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were 
baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. This is why immersion baptism was what they did and what's why, what, that's what we do. Because the word literally means immersion and it's a symbol of the death and the burial and the resurrection. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. So, If you want to do this, go back to the back at your campus, wherever you're at, during this song that's getting ready to happen. I'm going to jump in over here. Pastor Richie, Pastor Jason, some of our pastors will be at Homer Glen, and we'll be at New Lenox, and and we'll start doing it. And and guess what? You don't have to do it seven times if you don't want to, okay? I mean, if you do, we'll do it. That's fine. Whatever you need. We will wear a face mask if you'd like. CDC says you can't get it from water, but, you know, take it for what it's worth. And, and I promise you, if you have been thinking about this, if the Lord's pricking your heart today, saying, you know what, you should do this, I promise you, your life will never be the same. Remember what Jesus said in the parable about the tax collector. He said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Would you stand with me? I want to pray us out and then you'll be ready to just walk out from wherever you are, go to the back and give them your information, give them your stuff. Come on in. The water's fine. Father God, I thank you for... Hmm. For how long it's been since we've been able to do this and today is the day. We, we usually do this a couple times a year and we do it at other gatherings and all those things and getting rid of the leprosy and baptism has just been one of the, another one of those casualties of this year that we've been through. And Lord, if there are people watching online, I just pray that you will help them. Reach out to us, people. Just just reach out to us. We'll find you a place. We'll help you do it yourself. We'll figure it out, okay? If this is what God wants you to do, we want to help you. And for the people that are here right now, it's, it's a simple little thing that one last piece of pride might be keeping them away from. And I pray that you'll break that down. Be with us this weekend. Thank you for the warm weather and the joy that we're going to see on faces coming up out of the water. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Hey, would you stand and sing with us? I see his body breaking. I see his fingers bleeding. I see the darkness tremble at the ground below his feet. And in the darkest hours, there on Calvary, he was sweetly broken, broken broken beautifully come on up and get baptized come on
do something that we'll keep singing for a minute. We're going to sing another song and then we'll do communion, all right? Um, I just want to ask uh, you to repeat the good confession after me, okay? Um, already 
so excited about what God's doing. And if you want to do this, I want you to come and join us. But would you just do this with me? Um, repeat this with me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he is my Lord and Savior. All right, let's keep worshiping.
Chloe. Oh, we're going to watch Chloe, but I'm going to go ahead. You guys can be seated if you want. I want to go ahead and do communion while we're here. Um, what do you think, Chloe? It's nice and warm, huh? Yeah, it's awesome. We, um, if you're new, we do this every week at Parkview, not the mass baptisms, but we do the communion that way every week because these are just, uh, again, reminders of our faith. They're just reminders of what we do. This little piece of theoretical bread does not do anything for you. This juice does not do anything for you. The water does not do anything for you. God does something for you. But he told us whenever we got together to eat a little of this and remember his body that was broken for us. So take and eat. And this cup represents his blood. Take a drink. Father God, I just didn't even think about how good this was going to feel. Thank you so much. It's like every first thing that we do coming out of this fog has a special meaning and a special memory. And there's already been so many cool stories in this tub, and I know there's going to be so many more. I pray that you'll be with us this weekend. Be with us as we take off the masks and find our way back to you for healing. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. We're going to keep going. Um, we'll keep singing. Uh, you're welcome to stay as long as you want. If you need to go, go. If you still want to come and join us, come and join us. The water's fine. Thanks again for joining us today. If you'd like to find more of our content, content that I believe will help you become the person God wants you to be, you can find past messages and full services at parkviewchurch.com by clicking the media button at the top of the page. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forever. See you next time.